0: Hello again, Fight Fans. Welcome to episode 228 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. And this will be the last show coming to you from Montero Unboxing's YouTube channel. That's right. For those of you who have been sleeping under a rock and don't know already, my show has been picked up by The Ring. I'm crazy excited about it. And starting next week, the live video podcast, the broadcast, will be on Ring's platform, The Ring Digital their YouTube channel. So, uh, I'm excited, man. And I'm sure most of you guys, I mean, if you're watching, if you're listening live, you already know that, but, uh, just wanted to reiterate, this will be the last episode of the neutral corner boxing podcast here on my YouTube channel. So it's kind of historic, right? I mean, this is you know, a tiny little show that we do here, but, uh, to me it feels kind of historic 228 episodes in that's crazy. Right, and a lot of you guys have been there from the very, very beginning. When I was just sitting on a couch, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just talking. Uh, and man, some of those shows were like 15 minutes when I first started. It's just grown and developed over the years, and now we're you know we're at a point where industry professionals listen to this show. I get DMs, calls, texts. All the time from boxing promoters, from network executives, even UFC promotional people like on that side uh, of that business that listen to the show every week. It's, it's pretty damn cool. We're kind of sought after as a destination. I have publicists reaching out to me wanting to get their fighters on the show. It's, it's awesome, man. It's, it's a really, really exciting time for me. And I'm just so glad to be sharing it with you guys as always. I always ask you guys to uh, you know, to, to do your fee. My, the fee that I charge is you spread the word about the show. And you uh, give it a thumbs up, like, share, subscribe. If you can leave a review on all the different platforms, that helps me out tremendously. And by the way, I'm going to keep asking for that fee. I still need that because your continued support is what's going to help the show continue to grow over on Ring. You guys remember when I used to do two shows a week, we would do a review show. Monday and then like a, I think it was Thursday we would do a preview show we do like an a and b block right well eventually I'd love to get back to that but for us to get back to that over at the ring there's going to have to be a certain amount of uh, attention that the show's getting and it's going to have to produce numbers so you know your continued support is what's going to help us grow and help the show get to uh higher heights okay so look hot news right off the press I literally just spoke with Jamel Herring, not even an hour ago. So I I just posted something to ringtv.com so you guys could check it out there. But I'll let you know here right now, Jamel Herring has tested positive for COVID-19 once again. That is crazy. It's in less than a month he's tested positive twice. So I talked to Jamel. He was pretty bummed out. He's trying to stay positive. He's a very positive guy. But I could tell he was bummed. I mean, I would talk to him right there. He's, he was in the room. Uh, they canceled. But they did not do the weigh-in today. They canceled the fight outright. The Nevada Commission, you know, felt, hey, we, we can't play around with this. Because he, he feels very strongly that it might be a false positive. And we've had false positives. The accuracy of the swab test, that's where they take that cotton swab and shove it way up your nose until it basically tickles your brain. The accuracy of that t- test has been questioned, and we have seen false positives. It doesn't get reported much in the media because the media wants to keep everybody really, really scared, but that has happened. And as such, Jamel offered to do the the blood draw, which is the antibody test, where they literally take blood. The results from that won't be known until later tonight at the earliest, possibly even tomorrow. So the commission was kind of in a tough spot. So it was top rank. What did they do? So they didn't even go forward with, I mean, they went forward with the weigh-in for everybody else, but not for Jamel and Jonathan Okendo. So Jamel is pretty bummed out. Check out my piece on ringtv.com where I, I have some quotes directly from Jamel because every news site, of course, posted, boom, Jamel, you know, uh, our herring Okendo is off, right? I talked to Jamel personally on the phone, just talked to him. And I got quotes directly from him in my piece. So Ring TV's piece will be different from everybody else's because we got quotes directly from the man. So make sure you check that out. But that's a buzzkill, man. It's a bummer. I I love Jamel Herring, and he's just the honest fighter, and he's worked his butt off. And I was looking forward to watching him tomorrow night. So as disappointed as he is, he did say, you know, him and his team have a plan. They really want to fight Carl Frampton. Bob Aram has talked about that recently, probably taking place in November. Date, TBA, but probably November. And venue, TBA. Uh, But they're working on it, and they want it. Both sides want that. So, you know, Jamel is in a good spot where he feels like, hey, you know, my team still has a plan here. He actually expressed sympathy for his opponent because he said, man, Jonathan Okendo has been busting his butt. His fight got delayed twice too because, remember, these guys were supposed to fight uh, July 2nd, Right. And Jabel tested positive, I think, like, in mid-late June. So that fight got pushed back. So that didn't just affect Herring. It affected Okendo, too. And Herring, you know, he mentioned that to me. He said, man, it sucks for him because that, that guy stayed with it, stayed in shape, was ready to make weight again and challenge for a title. And now he's out this title challenge. So... He's really kind of bummed for him, you know, um, which, you know, just shows you again the kind of guy that Jamel Herring is. He's just just a good human being. For him, in that kind of moment, when I was talking to him on the phone, and again, his voice is usually up, very, you know, uplifting kind of guy, his personality. He was bummed, man. You could just tell he was down. And in that moment, when I'm talking to him, he made it a point to say, man, I, I just kind of feel shitty for Jonathan Okendo. And I was like, what? I'm just trying to think how many fighters in that moment, you know, of of just disappointment, and also, you're not getting paid. There's that part too. In that moment of disappointment, to think about your opponent, how how many people would do that? That's the kind of guy Jamel Herring is. Oh, before, uh, well, well, I got a super chat over here. CJ Duncan in the house. What's up, CJ? Thank you so much, man. He says, no beer to toast this great news, Mike. Congrats, dude. I worked in the yard three straight days, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I drank a lot of beer this weekend. I need a few days off. In fact, I went to the gym today and tried to sweat that shit out. Also, in the mail, I want to show you guys these, man. I just got these in the mail today. In fact, I just got this uh, just just after I talked to Jamel. Uh, USA Boxing Sting Gloves. I don't know if you guys have tried these yet, these Sting Gloves, but I haven't tried these yet. I just... Put them on a second ago. Great wrist support, man. The top of these, they got extra padding up on the wrist. And I haven't used them yet. I'm going to break these bad boys in this week. But I'm, I'm digging the red, white, and blue. I mean, we just had Independence Day July 4th. So that's patriotic right there. Uh, rocking the USA boxing gear. I haven't tried Sting yet. But I'm going to break these in this week. I, have you guys used Sting? What do you think? Uh, these gloves look great, man. 16 ounces and 16 ounces sometimes are way too puffy and just way too big. It feels like you're wearing two freaking balloons on your hands. These things are nice and tight, just the way they fit, the way I just put them on, nice and tight. So I like those. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to flop them here for all you Glovegate people. Check that out. All the Glovegate conspiracy theorists, look at that glove flop. Oh, my God. Gloves don't flop like that. Look at this. Look at it flop. Yes, they do, dumbasses. People who have never boxed in their fucking life saying shit like that. Okay, back to the news. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, well, first, let me give a shout-out to two Patreon supporters, Jan Vandenbos and Leo Debrin. Uh, Both of you guys contributed on Patreon uh, the last week, and I just want to say thank you very, very much for that, okay? Thank you to everybody who supports, whether it's Patreon, whether it's here with Super Chat, whatever it is. You guys know that I genuinely Really, really appreciate the love that you guys show, and I, I try to express my gratitude. I don't do it enough, but I try to do that. It's something I need to do a better job of, but I can't thank you guys enough for all the love, man. Especially when I announced last week that we were going over to Ring, I did it on various social media platforms. I got over 500 responses, whether it was responses to those direct you know, social media posts on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, or dms i got a lot of dms i got a lot of text i got a a few calls from you guys the love the outpouring of love and support i i was not expecting that kind of response i literally just posted hey i'm going over to ring because i was excited about it and um i was just wanting to share the information and let you guys know what's going on the outpouring of support and love and the response to that was just awesome i did not expect it It was just amazing, so thank you. Okay, so I should also mention this. Next week, going over to Ring, it's the Ring Digital on YouTube. Find it, subscribe, click the notification bell. But also stay subscribed here because we ain't stopping what we do over here. The first guest next week will be Charles Conwell, 154-pound prospect, uh, represented the United States in the 2016 Rio Games. You guys may remember that name. And it's unfortunate that a lot of you guys remember that name for such a, a, a bad reason. But he was the fighter opposite uh, the, the, uh, on the other side of the ring from Patrick Day. Last October in Chicago, I was there when uh, Patrick Day ended up dying due to the injuries he, he suffered in that fight with Charles Conwell. So unfortunately, that's how Charles Conwell is known uh, by a lot of people. But uh, he should be known for so much more than that. Of all the 2016 Olympic class, he seems to get the least amount of love, and I don't understand that. He's a really good-looking prospect. So we're going to have him on the show next week. All right, He's going to be our first guest as we go over to ring. Okay, let's see. Uh, Ryan Garcia, King Rye, King Re, King Rye. He tweeted something, and I'm not going to read the whole damn tweet. But you guys have seen this. you know. If you're watching this show, you obviously have seen it because you're a degenerate like me, and you, you catch all the scoop. But he basically tweeted something saying, "You know, Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya, you know what? If you ain't going to pay me what I'm worth, just let me go. Let me out of my contract. And it obviously he got a big response. So I'll give some thoughts on it. I mean, I saw Mike Coppinger tweet, and you look. Mike Coppinger annoys a lot of people. Personally, I got nothing against Mike Coppinger, but he, he tweeted, I think he quoted Ryan Garcia's tweet. or no, it was He talked to him for a piece in, in the platform he writes for. It's a paid platform. And trying to promote that piece was saying, hey, Ryan Garcia, basically he moves the needle and he deserves the amount this amount of money, blah, blah, blah. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And it's that kind of stuff from Cop that I think annoys people. Again, I, I, there's stuff I do that annoys the shit out of some people. So, you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. But Doug Fisher responded to Coppinger's tweet with some truth, as did I, as did a lot of you. I saw some of the responses. And Ryan Garcia took a lot of heat. And some of his defenders, like uh, Coppinger or whoever else out there, took a little heat. Because, look, I understand if you're Ryan Garcia, right? In your mind, you live in this social media bubble where everybody, all your followers, your hundreds of thousands, maybe it's a million plus followers now, whatever, on Instagram and TikTok, tell you all the time that you are the shit. They constantly unzip your pants, unfurl your dick, stroke it, and suck it. And they cup the balls. I mean, you get the whole fucking package. That's what this kid gets 24-7 on his social media. So I get it. He thinks he's the shit. He thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. And in terms of potential, there's a ton of it there. A ton of potential. Who knows? Ten years from now, we might be looking at Ryan Garcia saying, man, this dude's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But he ain't done shit yet. He haven't done anything yet to deserve or to warrant what he thinks he should get, or at least what he says publicly. And I understand that he might look at somebody like Devin Haney. One of you guys in the chat says, Malcontent says, Jesus, my kids are watching. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. All right, I should have put a rated R on this episode. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll keep it clean. All right, I'll keep it clean. Uh, but you look at someone like Devin Haney, who, who is a peer to Ryan Garcia, right? The same generation, a new prospect coming up. And Devin Haney got over a million dollars last year to fight a journeyman level opponent. So Ryan Garcia looks at that and says, what the hell, man? You know, Shakur Stevenson got 600000 and that was just base salary for his last fight. He got more than that once there was other things on the back end. It wasn't a million dollars, but it was high six figures. Shakur Stevenson just to, to fight an overmatched opponent. So Ryan Garcia is looking at that saying, man, what the hell? I should be getting that kind of money. A year ago, he just – not even a full year ago, I should, I should say – He signed a very lucrative deal. And I think what people are forgetting, man, is that Ryan Garcia got a a signing bonus that apparently, I, I can't confirm this, but apparently it was seven figures. That signing bonuses don't happen a lot in boxing. They do happen, but not a lot. So to get a seven figure signing bonus up front and then a year later to be bitching. We're also in the midst of a quarantine. Now, Devin Haney hasn't fought during this time. Shakur Stevenson just got overpaid. Shakur Stevenson has a title. I don't look at him as a champion. Or he just vacated it to move up. We'll talk about that in a second. But Devin Haney had the same thing. He's got a title. I don't look at him as a champion. These guys are prospects with titles. You guys know the business and the politics of boxing, how that worked out. But when you do have a title, you're going to get paid more. And Ryan Garcia doesn't have a damn title yet. But you got to figure, within the next 12 months, He's going to get one of these WBC interim gold diamond, whatever titles, and his pay scale will increase. But until then, it's like, dude, you got to get in there and fight. And we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. And like I just said, Haney has not fought during the pandemic. Shakur Stevenson did. But if you're Ryan Garcia, dude. You got big fights on the horizon, like a fight like Jorge Linares. You're going to get paid for that fight. Or now it's 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 supposed to be Luke Campbell. You're going to get paid for that fight. You're going to get paid pretty well, especially I think Luke Campbell. It's for a piece of the WBC title there at 135. That's that whole situation with the WBC is a complete mess of what what they've done at the lightweight division is just a travesty. It's disgusting. The fight between Lobachenko and Lopez should be for all the marbles, but the fucking WBC had to ruin that and destroy it just to try to get some more money on the back end with Haney and Garcia. It's disgusting. Anyway, if you're Ryan Garcia, man, and you're only going to get 200 grand, 300 grand, whatever it is, to go in there and fight a No Hoper this summer, do it. Do it with the vision that, hey, my next fight I'll get twice that. I'll get three times that. It, this is going to build to something. Not every payday is going to be the exact same. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. Guys, I haven't talked about this, but my my pay scale has been cut at my job. What I do, uh, I've had things cut. You guys know that Boxing Monthly, one of the uh, publications I worked for, is no more. I mean, this is affecting everybody, right? All of you guys know somebody who's been laid off or whose pay has been cut. Whatever. So for Ryan Garcia to say, I would rather sit on my ass and not make any money than fight for short money right now in a in a complete... Think about it, guys. Golden Boy wasn't going to match him tough. He was going to fight a no-hoper. It was going to be a complete slob fest for Ryan Garcia. A brand-building exercise where... He could look really, really good on TV, get an impressive knockout. And that's what this was going to be for him. It was going to be more brand building for him. And now he's kind of ruined that with the way he's talking. Now, look, I will always defend fighters going for the money. Boxing is, in my opinion, pound for pound, the most dangerous sport. And I get it. Auto racing. Actually, auto racing has really been cleaned up. But I don't really look at auto racing as a sport. Not to disrespect those guys. I look at that as more of a game. In terms of sports, it don't get any more cruel than boxing. So I will never get mad at a fighter going for the money. But dude, I think a lot of these young kids look at guys like Floyd, look at guys like Oscar, and even guys like Canelo. Even Golovkin is getting big money now, some of these other guys. And I think, man, I got just as many followers as those guys have on social media. Or, you know, I get... I hang out with celebrities and shit. Like Ryan Garcia hangs out with YouTube celebrities, internet celebrities, whatever the f- heck that is. I almost said the F, but I, I said heck, okay. <laughs> uh, and he thinks he- he's just as legit and just as like popular as some of these other guys. He's not. I don't give a damn how many followers you have, okay, on TikTok or whatever it is. How many tickets are you selling the fights? If you're Ryan Garcia, you fight on Zone. That's a subscription service. They have trending and analysis reporting that they pull and they say, hey, Golden Boy, last time Ryan Garcia fought, our subscriptions went up this much or went down this much. You think Golden Boy? Of course they're looking at that stuff. These promoters know. Okay, so the zone has those numbers and they say, hey, here's where our subscribers were at last time Canelo fought, last time Garcia fought. They're reporting all that to Golden Boy. All of them get that information. So Golden Boy knows what Ryan Garcia is bringing in. So does the zone. And there's a reason why they're not throwing out a million dollars at this kid. Now, Devin Haney was grossly overpaid for that last fight, that last title offense. That was a disgusting, that was like Andre Berto-esque, old school HBO overpaying people. Like when Al Heyman was running HBO for a couple years there. That's what it was reminiscent of. Shakur Stevenson just got overpaid. But I think the, the promotions involved with those guys are thinking long game. And they're thinking, okay, you know what? A couple, two, three years from now, we're going to recoup all this. Because these guys are going to be around for a while. They're, they're making a long-term investment with those fighters. I think part of Golden Boy looks at Ryan Garcia and says, man, this kid's so volatile. He might be gone in a year. So I, I don't want to drop too much up front. And they already did. They already gave him the signing bonus. So it's like, dude, we gave you the signing bonus. We're not going to spend more than that. We already kind of overpaid. So I I just, I don't know, man. I'm not picking a side here, but this is a really bad look from Ryan Garcia. Had he beat a few top contenders, had he had some good wins under his belt, had he sold out a venue in LA, in Vegas, in Texas, in multiple states, it's not just about – it's great if you could sell out in your hometown. That's great. But how many fighters can sell out arenas in multiple states? Guys like Canelo, guys like Golovkin, there, there's only a handful of them. So if Garcia was one of those guys and he had proven that, then he'd ha- there'd be something to this. But just to say, dude, look, look at – I hang out with Logan Paul, and I, you know I hang out with these YouTube celebrities, and I got all these followers on TikTok. Dude, who gives a shit? That don't mean nothing. It don't add interest to your dick. Sorry if you got kids watching. But, you know, it had to be said. Okay. Uh, Shakur Stevenson gives up his WBO featherweight title. He's going, his last fight was at, uh, I think, 130. It was a non-title fight, right? He's going to stay there. We all saw this coming. We all saw this coming. And now he's eventually, because of the rules of the WBA or WBO, sorry, he will be the mandatory for Jamel Herring. So I think you have a very likely scenario where Jamel Herring fights. Uh, he fights Carl Frampton later this year, and then early next year you see Jamel Herring and Shakur Stevenson in the ring. I like that matchup. I like that matchup a lot. All right, let's go to the phone here. We got one call. We'll jump on here, then we'll get back to the news. Uh, 956, you're on TNC. Go. Hey,
1: what's up, Mike? Uh, it's me, Eddie, from
0: Laredo. Eddie, what's up, man?
1: Hey, uh, I just want to thank you, man, for last last week that I, you talked about my mom passing away. And, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I, I mean, I you said you would do it, but, I mean, you never know, right? And uh, my family thanks you, and everybody thanks you for that. I showed them, which they really don't listen to the show because they really don't watch boxing. But they really do thank you for everything that you did.
0: It's so the least I could do, brother. I can't imagine what you and your family are going through right now. Um my thoughts have been with you, man. I even talked to my fiance, Tiffany, about it after the show. Um, I just, I hope you guys are doing well, but it's the least I could do.
1: Right. Yeah, thank you. And I do have another question now that's about the show. Since you said that you're moving to Ring Digital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Is it still going to be, you're still going to have the same number? And yes. another one, is the podcast still going to be the same thing? Is it going to be TNC still, your Corner, or is it going to change?
0: great questions um i actually i posted a video on my channel last week you can check out it gives some of the information but yes man um everything's the same the neutral corner is the same uh, i have this uh, the name of this podcast i trademarked it so it ain't going nowhere uh, I, the phone numbers are the same right behind me the usa number the uk number and really the audio podcast that's going to stay the same too like on it's that's going to stay on the montero unboxing channels The only thing that's changing is the video part. That's going over to Ring.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, Basically, that was just just it. And, Boss, my blessings, man, for you. And you're a good person. And thank you for what you did. Um, And, Boss, thanks. That's all I got to say, man. All
0: right, brother. All right, man. I hope uh, you and your family, um, you know, I, I really honestly don't know what to say to you, man. I'll say this much, Eddie. My mother has lupus. And she has a lot of health problems. She's not doing very well right now. So uh, when you told me, you know, what was going on with your family, I I couldn't help but think of my own mother. And I just want you to know that my thoughts are with you, brother.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. And I'll be praying for yours.
0: Okay. All right, man. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good night. All right, guys. Um, Okay. Back to the news. So... Shakur Stevenson moving up to 130. Emmanuel Navarrete moving up to 126. So he's going to dump that 122 title. So he's basically going to end up fighting for the title Shakur Stevenson just dumped at 126. So, uh, and then you got to remember top rank has Nayoya Inoue, who's at 118 right now, but he's eventually going to be at 22, and he'll probably fight for that title that Navarrete dumped. So, Top Rank knows what the hell they're doing. It took them a few years to get all these chips lined up, but man, if you look at the things they got lined up right now, and you know, I don't work with ESPN. Okay, I work with Ring, who is owned by Golden Boy. So in a sense, I work with a rival platform. But I, I, I'm just keeping it real here. Top Rank has got things set up so well over the next few years, man. These guys are crushing it. And their summer series shows are not getting big ratings. I understand that, but they're keeping their guys busy, and that's going to pay off in the end. There's a lot of other guys sitting on their ass right now. And I'm telling you, we keep your guys busy, you keep them sharp, it pays off, man. So uh, just these moves here, he's going to end up, yeah, in a few years, guys, not even a few years, basically this time next year, Naoya Inoue probably going to have the WBO at 22. Navarate at 26, Stevenson or Herring at 30, and then uh, 35. We know it's coming there. Is Lomachenko going to move back down? That would be interesting. What if Stevenson – let's just say Stevenson beats Herring next year at 130, and let's say Lomachenko beats Lopez at 35, and then he moves down to 30, and we see Stevenson and Lomachenko at 30. Or if Stevenson moves up again to 135. And we see them fight at 135. Right now, the guys at top rank has at 140. Several of them are going to move to 47. Imagine when Jose Cullors Ramirez, Josh Taylor, they're going to fight each other. That's going to be an amazing fight. The winner and loser of that fight are eventually going to move up and fight Terrence Bud Crawford. I, I mean, they got shit set up. I'm just telling you, man. Really, really good setup over there. Okay, I think we got another call. Let's jump to it. Phone line's open, guys, so jump on in. Uh, five, five, eight, five. You're on the show. Go.
2: <clears throat> hey, what's going on? Uh, this is Dwayne. Um, I was just, uh, had a question about when are you think, uh, with the pandemic and everything's going on, uh, when do you think we're going to start really seeing like big fights, like, you know, the top guys coming out and starting, starting to fight like, um, Tams Crawford, Earl Spence, mm-hmm. those guys, when we're when we going to start seeing those guys, uh, get back in the realm of things.
0: I think Dwayne they've been saying September but now um it it's either going to be September or October. I think there's just too much that's still in the air because I know that Top Rank wanted to do Lomachenko Lopez originally in September. Now they're pushing that back till October because they just don't know uh with, you know with COVID and everything like that. Ideally they want to be able to get some fans in the arena even if it's like, you know, 6 feet apart, you know what I'm saying? They only fill it up you know, a couple people in each row, something like that, it still helps get some fans in there and get some revenue. But I can tell you that um, we're probably going to get the third fight between Wilder and, and Fury. That's going to happen like at the very, toward the very end of the year. Dude, th- the last three months of this year, October, November, December, are going to be stacked. But it's going to mm-hmm. cost you because there's going to be several pay-per-views.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't mind that. The thing, because I, I don't know if you're the mixed martial arts, I'm a big UFC fan, and what Dana White is doing, he's kind of like saying, you know, forget it. I, I, obviously, he wants the fans, but you can't do nothing about that right now, so he's just going to go on with his show. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you think boxing is going to be uh, the same way, where these promoters like Al and all these other guys are going to be like, you know what, obviously we want fans – in the seats but we can't wait on that so let's just put these big fights and no fans we just have to bump the pay-per-view price up if that's the case i don't know if they can get more money doing that
0: (sighs) that's gonna be tough man honestly if if i were if i were advising uncle al grandpa bob any of them i would tell them you need to lower the pay-per-view price uh did you buy the the ufc pay-per-view this weekend yeah, yeah, I did. I how much? How much was it?
2: Uh, it was uh, sixty-four.
0: Okay, so that's that's a little better because like some of these boxing pay-per-views, they've been like eighty, ninety dollars. So I think if man, if they cut twenty, thirty dollars off, if they got that like, closer to fifty, fifty, sixty dollars, that would help. That would help a lot. But I'm with you, man. Like these, the the big name fighters have to come back and fight at some point because they're not getting paid. And they're going to be on pay-per-view. It's so, like, on the PBC side, guys like – well, we know what Wilder's doing. He's going to fight Fury again. But guys like Errol Spence, uh, Manny Pacquiao, every fight they do from here on out is probably going to be pay-per-view. They're going to fight twice a year. It's going to be on pay-per-view. So those fights are coming. It, they were talking about Spence versus Danny Garcia, and that was going to be pay-per-view. I know that's what they want to do. I just think logistically they haven't figured it out, man, but it's got to come by the end of the year. So it's very possible October, November, December, man, we might have five or six pay-per-views. It could happen. All
2: right. That's good. All right, Mike, that's my question. Thanks, man.
0: All right, man. Have a good one. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, that's a lot of people asking that. A lot of people are curious, like, hey man, because I, I get it. The Summer Series top rank is doing. I'll talk about that here in a second. It's not for everybody. Like I, I get it. It's not for everybody. These are stay-busy club shows. These are old-school, like, Tuesday Night Fights, USA, or old-school Friday Night Fights, ESPN. That's what these are, and it's not everyone's cup of tea. There's only about 400,000 of you in America that seem to be watching these cards. But I like what they're doing because they're keeping their guys busy, and that's the best thing you could do as a promoter, man. Uh, you, we had, <clears throat> super, I'm losing my voice, man. I've been on the phone all day. Super chat pledge from my man Trent. Thank you so much. He says, yo. Majidov win a title, he dropped Usyk in the World Series of Boxing with a right hand to the body. Dude hits hard, hard. Then Usyk tore him up. Uh, TKO'd and KO'd Savan in Dutch Co. for World Amateur Gold. So, yeah, T- guys, check out this first name. Uh, Mohamed Drusul. Mohamed Rasul. Mohamed Rasul. Majidov from Azerbaijan. That's who Trent's talking about. Uh, This dude, I think he has two pro fights right now. He last fought, I believe, on the Joshua Ruiz rematch, that card in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Went to the Olympics twice, fought a lot of top heavyweights in the amateurs. I want to say he fought. uh, He he did fight Usyk. I know he fought, I think, AJ, maybe Joyce, a few of those guys. Won some, lost some in the amateurs. But I actually think his style is better for the pros. If you haven't seen this guy fight yet, I I think he's got a chance. I really really think he's got a chance because he hits really hard. Just a heavy-handed dude. Think of like a Murat Gassiev, but a little more fluid, a little more fluid, and goes to the body better. That's that's just what I see in him. And a more legit heavyweight. Um, kind of the same size as Gassiev. Kind of the same size. But uh, I like Murat Gassiev a lot. He's just a little slow, a little plodding, and his his body's breaking down. So uh, Majidov, I, I just think, has a lot of potential. It's really going to come down to the timing. And uh, Trent is also saying, um, yeah, it was large. So we were talking earlier, Trent and I, about Irislandi Savan, who is Felix Savan's, I think, nephew in the Cuban amateur system. Looks really, really good. I mean, very, very, very uh, heavily skilled heavyweight boxer from the Cuban school. Uh, been fighting in the amateurs there forever. Wish he'd go pro, but he won't. He's not going to go pro. But uh, oh yeah, Trent says also goes by Medvedov. Medvedov. Yes, I, I don't. He has two names. It's hard to keep up. But yeah, and, and Trent agrees with me. Yeah, good comparison. Not as stiff as Gassiev. Yeah, I kind he, He's kind of built like Gassiev. It kind of punches through the target the way Gassiev does, but he kind of sets his shots up a little more fluidly and just seems to be a little lighter on his feet. I think he has tremendous potential. So, guys, just, just Google the last name. The first name is too hard. Just here, I'll spell it for you. M-A-J-I-D-O-V, Majidov. Just look him up. And there's a bunch of his stuff on, uh, on YouTube. And really good-looking in the amateurs. But you'll see what I'm saying right away. He's got a better pro style. He's only two fights in. But that dude's got pot- potential. Alright, I saw this too. Uh Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury featured in a UFC four video game. Cool. I mean, some people thought this was great. Some people said, I don't give a shit personally. I don't play video games. I don't the fact that they're on a UFC game though, I think it's smart by the UFC because they realize, or at least they're betting, that over the next year or so these are going to be the top two heavyweights. And if they end up fighting twice next year, hopefully they do, we'll find out. But If they end up even fighting once, that's going to help sell that game. And it just also shows you the crossover appeal of those two fighters. I think it was smart by the UFC to do it. And I think it's cool for Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Uh, Other than that, I don't really have any thoughts on it. So that brings me into the Usman versus Masvidal discussion. Now, as I continue to lose my voice here... So there was a pay-per-view last week between uh, Usman or last week, last Saturday, right? Which, by the way, it's trending really well. I think it did over like a million pay-per-views. A lot of people bought into the hype of this thing. Jorge Masvidal stepped in last minute, and I guess the fight itself wasn't very good. It was very one-sided. I'm not surprised. I don't know that much about MMA. I'm a casual type of observer with MMA. But I could tell, looking at these guys' records, that it was going to be a one-sided fight. That's just what I saw on paper. It's interesting. I I posted, um, I'm not going to talk too long about this. I see a few of you guys on the chat say, I don't give a shit. I know. Let me just talk about a few things, though, okay? I won't go too long into this. But I posted a poll, number one, on all my social, asking, did you guys pay for this pay-per-view Did you illegally stream it for free or did you watch it in public or some other, you know, forum uh, that didn't cost you the pay-per-view price but wasn't a free stream? So over two, about two-thirds of you said that you caught the, you caught a free stream. You found something online somewhere and watched it for free. Some of you guys, you know, over in the UK and stuff, I think it was on BT Sport, which is a subscription pay service. So you paid for it but not pay-per-view prices. And then some of you in different parts of the world, it was just on your regular cable channel there, uh, whatever. But here in the United States, two thirds of you got it for free. And that's pretty much what I've done those polls before with certain boxing pay-per-views, pretty much the same results that I get back. So, It just seems that, you know, you hear, oh, the MMA fans put their money where their mouth is. Or they're way more dedicated than the boxing fans. Oh, the the boxing fans are more diehard. The boxing fans put their money where their mouth is more. Honestly, guys, it looks to me to be the same shit. Because I've asked these questions about UFC pay-per-views and boxing pay-per-views, and I get pretty much the same answers back. I get pretty much uh, the same responses. That about two-thirds of people now stream the fights. And this is something that, again, I talked about this earlier, that industry professionals listen to my show. I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm not saying that because it's, it's. I want you guys to listen. I want you guys to listen. The promoters listening, the advisors, the managers, the trainers, the network people listening, several different network people. I know you're listening right now. Two-thirds of the fan base out there, doesn't matter if it's UFC or boxing, stop pitting boxing and UFC against each other. It like like a divorced child playing the mom against the dad or the dad against the mom to get the, the toy that you want. In the end, people more than half in both sports are not buying the pay-per-views, dude. You guys got to find a different way to market this shit and a, a way to make it more, um, just have more mass appeal. Now, the UFC does a better job with that here in the United States. There is no doubt. I've talked to several of you in that business, and you've talked to me off the record. Hey, man, this is basically what's been told to me. We kind of follow a WWE format. We write storylines. We set up storylines and narratives, and our fans buy into it, and it works. Whether that's good or bad or whatever, that's not my decision to make. That's kind of what they do over there, and it works for them. And the fans do agree with the narratives because I ask fans like, okay, Jorge Masvidal. I said guys I, I, this is a question I put on my social this guy has 13 losses right he's never won a title if he if there was a boxing fighter in a, in a paper if Canelo fought a guy with 13 losses who had never been a champion or anything in a pay-per-view charging $65 or whatever it was I think people would be furious he get a lot of shit right even if that was on the zone he get a lot of shit I say that and I ask, well, what can we do in in boxing better to make people a little more forgiving of a loss? And I got a lot of different responses to that. I got over 100 responses to that. I could do a whole video just reading the responses because some of them are are really good and pretty insightful. But one thing I do find interesting is the responses I get from MMA fans about Jorge Masvidal because they'd say, well, he got robbed in a couple fights. He's learned on the job – that sort of thing. They also say he had a three fight winning streak coming into the fight with Usman. Well, I looked at the guys he beat now. And some of you guys out there said, Oh man, he fought, he beat three great fighters coming in. And that's the narrative that's been pushed to you. Well, he beat Nate Diaz, Ben Askren, Darren Till. Okay. Till was coming off a loss coming into the Masvidal fight. Never been a champ. I just don't think he's a fighter at that level. Uh, Askren was a former Bellator and one fighter, O-N-E, one fighter, for like 10 years. He signed with UFC when he was a little bit past his prime. He joined UFC in 2019. So far, his record in UFC is one win and two losses, right? He lost his very next fight after losing to Masvidal, has not fought since. And Nate Diaz, of course, Nate Diaz is seen as a a great fighter in MMA circles. He's beloved, the, the Diaz brothers, of course. But, Coming into the Masvidal fight, he had lost four of his last eight fights going back to 2012. He had no fights in 2017 or 2018. He was inactive and passed his prime when he fought Jorge Masvidal. It didn't matter. None of those things mattered. The UFC said, hey, here's what's going on, guys. And the fans buy that. And they're happy. What can we do in boxing? To, to uh, w- w- What formula is there for us? to get our fans buying and biting, you know, buying in like that. I just, I don't know, man. Again, I'm a casual observer of MMA. So I, I don't understand the nuances as much as I do with boxing, where I do consider myself to be pretty damn knowledgeable on the subject and experienced. But I see enough where I can see what the differences are and the similarities. The similarities are boxing fans are cheap as fuck, MMA fans are cheap as fuck. That's, you know, people are going to be cheap. And if there's a way to see shit for free, that's what they're going to do. However, one major difference I see over in UFC is the fans believe UFC's promotional narratives. They believe what Dana White tells them. Even when they talk shit and they're critical, they tend to believe the narratives, the promotional narratives. Boxing fans are always distrusting of the promotional narratives the network narratives they're always skeptical they just don't want to believe and maybe it's because they've been you know screwed so many times in the past and maybe that's just part of the culture of the sport is to be skeptical of the man right look at the shit eddie hearn gets someone like that and he does you know he does spin some shit let's be honest i mean they all do i'm not trying to pick on eddie but that's one big difference also another big difference mma fans way more forgiving of a loss and also another thing I get from MMA fans is they always say, "This fighter's great, that fighter's great." So, Jorge Masvidal, all you guys told me last week, he's great. The last three guys he beat were great. Everyone's great. There's no elite, great, good, average, journeyman, gate or gatekeeper, fringe contender. It's everyone's great, and that's just it's, it's it's so interesting to me because in boxing, there's so much more divisiveness. And you clearly know who the top five or so fighters in the world are. Those are your elite pound-for-pound level guys. Under that, there's that championship level, then contenders, prospects, there's gatekeepers, all that. But people argue, spend so much time just arguing about who's great versus who's not, you know, who's who's really, really good versus who's really, really great. Over in UFC, everyone's great. Everyone's just great. Also in UFC – uh, they're very, very open and willing to watch female fights. Every, every promotion there seems to have one or two big female fights on the undercard. That doesn't happen in boxing. Just doesn't happen. You know, uh, Katie Taylor and Delphine Persoon have agreed to terms. They're going to fight later this fall. I tweeted about that. I barely got any response. I got a response from some of the guys over in the UK. But if I tweet something about Ryan Garcia, a hundred of you guys respond. But there's a great fight between two great female lightweights, and none of you just give a shit. So, again, I'm not saying any of this is good or bad or indifferent. I'm just saying these are differences I have observed. I do wish boxing fans could be a little more in unison the way UFC fans are, and I do wish that boxing fans uh, would be more forgiving of a loss like UFC fans are. Okay. I saw a super chat there. Harrison Property, thank you so much. For the super chat. He says, uh, How do you foresee the future matchups of Devin Haney fighting both Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis? I actually think Devin destroys both opponents. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you once again for the super chat. So, Devin Haney, right now, like, you know, I won't say right now, I'll say over the next year. Devin Haney and Tank Davis, I know this won't be a popular opinion. With some people, because some people are all in on Tank Davis being this super great fighter. Let me just say this. Tank Davis is probably not going to be at 135 long. Um, or, I'm sorry, like he's he's a 140 fighter. That's just the way I look at Tank Davis, because I don't think he's going to make weight naturally at 135. Devin Haney, between us guys, okay, I know I got a little inside information here. Devin Haney did not really make weight for his last fight at 135. Uh, per the rules of the WBC in their title fights, he didn't make weight, and people were told to look the other way. Devin Haney is not a natural 35. I see him more as a 140 guy too, at least in the next 12 months. So if we're talking between now and the end of 2021, a fight between Haney and Tank Davis takes place at 140, and I would pick Devin Haney. I would pick Devin Haney. I, I think that it's very possible Tank could have some moments early on and catch him with something on the inside. Tank has some really nice hooks and uppercuts on the inside. He can lead with those punches very, very well, and he can counter with them very, very well. But I do think Tank Davis's power is, is overrated. I really, really do. And I just think Haney's rangy, he's skillful, and he seems to have good tact in the ring. We don't know 100% if he could really take a shot. We haven't seen him really clocked yet. We haven't seen Tank really eat a big shot yet either, though. But if those two were to fight, let's say early mid 2021, I think that by the end uh, at the end of the night, Devin Haney wins by decision. Now, Haney versus Garcia, to me, that's more of a toss-up, and here's why. Here's the thing with Garcia. I just don't know. We don't look. He could obviously be tagged, especially by a tall, rangy guy like Haney. I think Haney could touch him. Can Haney hurt him? I don't know because we haven't seen Ryan Garcia take a big shot. We just don't know. I don't think Haney is a really serious puncher, especially once he's north of 135 officially. He's going to be a decent puncher, but he's never going to be a big puncher. But I think Garcia just seems to have this explosive quality and speed and stuff to the way he punches and I just wonder, what if he caught Haney with something in an exchange that he didn't see coming and, and and hurt him? I do think it's possible. So while I'd probably, like, my brain would bet on Haney by decision against Garcia, part of me would say, man, there there's a chance Garcia could hurt him with something and pull off a knockout. Like, seriously, he's, he, he seems to have that twitchiness, that twitchiness. And – I don't even know if, I think he's got more twitchiness than Haney. But so far he's only, that's the problem with with all these guys. Well, specifically Haney and Garcia. Both their resumes are equally dog shit. I don't give a damn that Haney has a title. Which one of those guys has a better resume? Flip a freaking coin. It's pretty much pretty even. 55-45, 60-40, right? They've, they've fought nothing but shorter squat punching bags right in front of them. Now, Tank Davis has fought some good fighters. Maybe not at their best weight, maybe not at their best age, but he has fought some experienced good fighters. That just hasn't happened with the other two. So we just don't freaking know. But based on the eye test, yeah, probably Haney by decision. Definitely, he he actually beat Tank Davis pretty handedly, like eight rounds to four or something. But him and Garcia, that's a toss-up, dude. Because I just think Haney does leave himself open in exchanges, and he's not that fast. I know people think he's fast. He says he's fast. He's looked fast against the guys he's fought. But I've been around enough fighters where I could tell someone who's got super-duper speed, who's really fast, he's he's just not. He's good. Damn good. He's going to win titles. But in a heated exchange between him and Garcia, Garcia's going to have the faster hands. Trust me on this maybe even the faster feet, but Haney, much more skilled, much more disciplined, um, boxes way better, way smarter. So you'd have to favor him. But in exchange, Garcia could connect. I'm just putting it out there. Okay. Quick review, guys. So last Tuesday, uh, show on ESPN, Tuesday, July 7th, that show peaked at 388,000 viewers, the Thursday show on the 9th peaked at 344,000 viewers. So, look, I get it. Names, name recognition matters. Matchups matter. There are some good matchups on these cards, but it's little guys for the most part. And even this heavyweight matchup between Carlos Tecam and uh, Jerry Forrest on Thursday, there's the two guys that Jerry Forrest proved to pretty much be a journeyman. That's just what he is. And Tecam's almost 40 years old, and he's a perennial contender type. So if this were, let's say, like a rematch between Takam and Chisora, maybe it would have got a little more attention, like something like on that level. But on this level, it just nobody really had interest in it. I, I understand. Okay? So people keep releasing the ratings numbers and all that, and some people with an agenda are using this to beat up on top rank. I don't think top rank's that concerned about doing big numbers for these. I think they're more concerned about keeping guys busy and building up fighters. On several of these cards, we've seen guys take losses and then come back a week or two later and win. So we've seen guys improve. They found out, who was the one prospect, I can't think of his name right now, uh, that got really beat up and lost? Was that the guy who fought Clay Collard? I think maybe it was. But um, he he just got beat up, right? And, And he got exposed. So like some of these guys, they're finding out a little bit about them, a little bit about their mental fortitude and what they got to work with there. So that's what these cards are. I don't think they're looking at these numbers and thinking, oh, man, this sucks. We're going to be out of business in six months. I think they knew what they were doing when they set all this up. Anyway, Tuesday, uh, Luis Alberto Lopez Vargas gets a split decision, slight upset win over Andy Vences. Uh, this is a 130-pound fight. Scores were 96-94 twice for Vargas, and Max DeLuca saw it 96-94 for Vences. Vences has a draw with Eric De Leon, lost to Albert Bell, I believe, last year, and now lost to Vargas. On paper, he should have beat Vargas. Vargas is a guy who's mostly fought in Mexico, only two or three fights in the United States with mixed results. So, to me, Andy Vences—no disrespect to him—but his level has kind of been revealed, right? He's going to be at that gatekeeper kind of level. That's that's where he is. That's the level of fighter he is. There's nothing wrong with that. But now, top rank kind of knows what they have in him, and they will use him in a certain way going forward. That's the point of some of these fights. Jose Chon Zapeda scores a unanimous decision win over Kendo uh, Castaneda out of San Antonio. 140-pound fight, 10 rounds. And then Thursday, Carlos Tuckham beats Jerry Forrest to improve to 39-5-1. Of course, Tuckham was a last-minute replacement for Jarrell Big Baby Miller. I'm sorry, Jarrell Big Doper Miller. And uh, Forrest seemed to have zero game plan. I don't know what the hell he was thinking at ESPN. I, they were having a little fun with the broadcast. Uh, Tim Bradley was, was kind of being, you know, acting a fool and eating a, a BB sandwich. He says a bacon bread, a bread. Say, I, I love it. Tim Bradley. He doesn't say bread. He says bread. He says, he's got like a country accent. I don't know what Tim Bradley, I think he's from uh, Nevada, but he's got this Southern country. Ac- he talks like the people here in Atlanta, bread. There's like eight syllables in the word bread. Anyway, He was eating a a bacon bread sandwich uh, on the show, and uh, Carlos, or no, it was Jerry Forrest, was eating a sandwich an hour or two before the fight. And uh, I I don't know, man. It it didn't help him. That sandwich didn't help. Tech M started good, and you just saw the levels between these guys. You saw that Tech M, again, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but he's clearly a level above Forrest, right? All the experience, the skills, everything. He was setting up his shots well, it looked good. And then he got tired in those middle rounds. And he started to reveal his age and his conditioning a little bit and really, really slowed down down the stretch. And a better, higher-level fighter, a top-10-level heavyweight, would have probably knocked out Carlos Takam in those late rounds. Jerry Forrest isn't that guy. So Takam was able to pull it out. Uh, Carlos Castro... Uh, out of Phoenix, approved a 26-0 with a fourth-round stoppage win. So that was last week. We have another Super Chat pledge from my man Trent. Thank you so much. He says, have I seen Joe Laws? He was a good U.K. amateur, and he claims he knocked out Devin Haney. There is video of him hurting Devin Haney in sparring. Clay Collard, ESPN. Tomorrow- yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Clay Collard is on uh, tomorrow's show. I'll talk about that. No, I have not seen Joe Laws. I've heard the name, but I haven't seen him. I haven't seen this guy. Let me look him up real quick. Trent is its like the most, one of the most knowledgeable guys here that uh, knows the amateur scene, man. That dude knows all the amateurs. Let's see Joe Laws. And a lot of these guys, I think I haven't seen them. And then he tells me to look him up and I'm like, oh, I have seen them. Yeah, you know what? I actually haven't seen Joe Laws. But I'm looking at his resume right now, and it's dog shit. I'm looking at the uh dude. I'm looking at the guy the guys he's fought so far as a pro. These records five and thirty-six, eight and 52, 13 and ten, two and eight, four and thirty-eight, two and twenty-three, eight and sixty-one. The last dude he fought had a record of one and twelve. So, dude. Joe Laws, I don't care if he hurt Devin Haney in sparring or not. If they fought as pros right now, I'm picking Haney. Sparring is one thing, bro. It's not a real fight. I've seen world champions get their ass handed to them in sparring and come out and score knockouts on fight night. It is what it is. All right, preview this week. Tuesday, July 14th, tomorrow night. I have it right here in my notes. Jamel Herring versus Jonathan Okendo. Oh! Nope, not happening. If you guys are just tuning in, you didn't hear me at the top of the show. Jamel Herring has tested positive for COVID-19 again, twice in less than a month. Now, he did take, uh, he had blood drawn to do the, um, uh, what do they call it? The antibody test, which experts are saying is the more accurate test. It's more accurate than the cotton swab that they shove up your nose. But the results would not be known until very late tonight. So the commission at top rank decided to, before the weigh-in today, we're going to cancel that fight. So that fight is off. And Jamel told me, I should mention this. I mentioned it in my article. But uh, he probably won't fight again. They'll probably go right to the Carl Frampton fight probably in November. But if they do fight again, he might fight in the summer series. If they do, it will be a non-title fight at a catchweight. He he was like, Mike, I busted my ass to make weight twice. It's just bad for me to keep going up and down in weight. So if we come back and fight again, it'll be a lightweight fight. He'll it'll, it'll be at a catch weight. And it'll be a non-title fight, and it probably will not be Jonathan Okendo. So that's what's up for Herring. He really honestly feels like it could have been a false positive. I don't know, man. Michaela Mayer, who now is going to be in the main event tomorrow, it's going to be Michaela Mayer versus Helen Joseph, a Nigerian native, 16 year pro, coming off a loss to Delphine Pearson herself. Uh, That's a 130 pound fight. Michaela Mayer tested positive and then later on tested negative. So she's like, what the hell is going on? She said the same thing. So, uh, guys, with, with all this stuff with COVID, we're going to be figuring this out for years. The experts, they don't know what the hell they're dealing with you don't know what you're dealing with in the midst of something in the midst of a storm. You just try to ride out the damn storm. You learn what you can, but it's not until after the damn storm subsides that you can go back and really look at the data and learn for sure what was going on. So right now this shit's just all speculation. So I get why the commission doesn't do the fight and everything. I think Okendo probably would have been willing to do the fight, honestly, but I mean, he needed that payday, but uh, the commission said, nope, it violates our protocol. They set a strict protocol and they're sticking to it. So that's that. Clay Collard is going to be on the card tomorrow. How could you not be a fan of Clay Collard? Fourth fight of 2020. If he, and the guy he's matched up against, it's a soft touch. He deserves a soft touch and he's got one. Hopefully he has been partying too much since his last fight and he stayed in the gym and stayed sharp. Because this is a showcase for him. Clay Collard in boxing has never gotten a showcase matchup. This is a showcase matchup for him. This is his chance to look like the superior boxer in a fight. If he doesn't and he screws this up, that's all on him. But I got a sneaking suspicion he's going to look real good. And, man, he might end up fighting, who knows, five or six times this year. That's, That's pretty amazing. All right, let's jump to the phones here. Let's see. We got uh, ah. I thought I clicked you in. Let me try again here. Nine oh one. You're on the neutral corner. Go.
3: Hey, Michael. This is C-Lon. Um Hey, what's the up, guy man? He was talking about hey the the prospect that uh, uh, that to Clay Collard upset was Kaminsky. Yes. Um, that was a that was a beaten man. I remember reading about that guy when he first got signed, and that that was a. Serious ass whooping.
0: Yeah. That was tough to watch. That was one of those where after a few rounds you're like, okay, why is this fight still going? And I don't think Kaminsky's yeah, ever think... gonna be the same, man.
3: Yeah, maybe they should have pulled the plug on that one a little earlier. Uh, I think I think it was clear it was a lost cause.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh Clay's not the kind of guy that you're gonna stop late unless you're putting some heat on him early. And, you know, some body shots or whatever, and Kaminsky was. Nothing Kaminsky did worked. So, uh yeah, I, I'm i with you, man. They could have pulled the plug early on that and then go back and rebuild. But taking a beatdown like that, I just don't see how Kaminsky rebounds. I mean, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I I think he's done. Uh, you know, he was a prospect top rank was looking at, but I think that's done.
2: Hmm. <laughs>
3: I want to comment on the uh, MMA and Vidal uh, thing? Um, I, I, I'm not sure what you mean by by narratives. I, I don't like MMA at all. But one thing I I do hear the fans talk about a lot is the, you know, the the people at the top don't stay at the top very long. They come and go. They come back. So at any given time, the top guy may have a uh, a, a lot of losses on his record. I mean, it's kind of like there. The t- uh, it's like Orlando Salido. You look at his record and you go journeyman. Go no, he's not a journeyman. He's either a contender or a title holder for a long, long time. And that's and that's because he didn't have the privilege or luxury of being matched soft until his third title defense. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know typical in boxing, right? Now it's with these with with these uh, UFC guys, which UFC is kind of the NFL of MMA you know uh ufc these dudes seem to fight each other a lot and uh, there's a lot of ways to lose so they don't seem to stay champion very long but they they try again and again and so at any given time the two best guys could have records that in boxing you know you look at and you scratch your head the, the other thing is um the accessibility like the boxings of for example most of the towns i frequent um if I want to go watch boxing somewhere, and say a pay-per-view, I don't want to pay $75 minimum for my pay-per-view. I'm not internet savvy, so I can't find the pirate stream. Okay, I'll go look for a bar to watch it. Well, major pay-per-view fights, often in major cities, are being shown nowhere, whereas UFC fights that aren't like – Super fights—they're shown everywhere. So you don't necessarily have to go pirate. You don't necessarily have to show out maximum cost for a for a UFC pay-per-view. I can go. I don't. I don't like MMA. I don't watch UFC. But if I want to, <clears throat> I could walk to one of several bars near me and right. go watch. Pretty much. I don't know about now because of COVID. But prior to COVID, all the bars showed all the fights. And I remember, like, man, I couldn't find Hopkins Kovalev anywhere in my city. I couldn't find all kinds of good fights anywhere in my city. If I'm real lucky, if there's a PBC fight on network like they used to show them on NBC, I could go to a friend's bar. He owns it, and I you know, I go, hey, man, change it. It doesn't matter who, what anyone else in the bar says. If I walk in and I want to watch a fight, they'll change the channel for me. But that's just because these are close friends of mine. So it's just it's, – it's, the business of boxing still refuses to make it accessible to the average sports fan. And that's that's
0: frust- it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating and, to me. Um, so- I mean, this this is not to cut you off, but I just want to respond because you make great points, man. I, I the so with the bar thing, that comes down to licensing. For a bar to show an MMA okay. a UFC fight, it's like one tenth of the cost of showing a boxing fight, which is so stupid. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like. There are some bars and stuff dude, that have to pay like fifty grand to show some of these fights, some of these bars it, it's Whoa. it's based on the amount of TVs you have but um it, it's really, really bad it it's just it it defies logic where you're paying a fraction of that to get the UFC fight so you can either maybe you charge a five dollar cover if you have a UFC fight or there's no cover and you just think, hey we'll we'll make this back on you know what we sell, you know alcohol and stuff. With boxing, you got to charge okay. a twenty-dollar cover if you're going to show a fight. You know, the few bars that do show fights, they have to charge a cover. And there's a lot of people out there that are casual fans. They're like, I'm not paying twenty bucks to go walk in this bar and watch this fight. Screw that. So that's part of it. And I agree, that's completely on the business of boxing. Ultimately, it does come down to the fighters to a degree because boxers make so much more money than MMA fighters. And a a, reason, a part of that is because the pay-per-view uh, st- is structured differently. They get more money. Uh, the, the promotion has to split. It's usually like 75% to the fighter, 25% to the promoter. But it's not always that way. Where it's pretty much the opposite in MMA. Where the UFC is keeping 75%, the fighters getting 25%. So the splits are different. And just the boxers, they get a little, little greedy. The promoters, the networks, there's a lot of clicks and beefs. Um, a competition amongst each other and infighting. But, it, you know, you talked about records. Look, I agree. I, I mean, it's clear. Like, I talk, again, I don't, I'm not a diehard UFC fan, but I talk to enough of them. I have friends of mine that do not like boxing. They only watch UFC. And I talk to them about it all the time because I get accused of being a hater, and I promise I'm not. But I do see differences that I just note. But anyway, you go back to the classic era of boxing, dude, when you had guys fighting... 60 times a year. No joke. Guys like Greb fought dozens of times a year. Pep. uh, Robinson. You you had rivalries. Now if you have guys fighting two or three times, that's a rivalry. Man, how many times did Robinson and LaMotta fight? You know, there were guys that would fight five or six times. They'd fight each other, right? In that era, even in that era, if a guy like Robinson had 13 losses at one point in his career, he wouldn't be looked at the same way. So, and I'm not trying to compare Sugar Ray Robinson to Jorge Masvidal. I'm not. But there are some fans I've run into who try to make those sorts of comparisons. I, I just think it, it, the MMA, UFC world is structured differently. And losses are more forgiven. Like you said, more guys, the top guys fight each other more. And there are more. I don't know if I agree with the more ways to lose. I mean, a loss is a loss. But, I I mean, yes, you could get tackled or, you know, submitted, kicked. I I get all that. But I just think, yeah, in in boxing, here's another thing, too. I'm rambling, but I just – my brain's all over the place because there's so much to talk about. In boxing, dude, I've talked about this before. You have tens of thousands of licensed professional boxers around the world. In the MMA world, the UFC world is much smaller. I think the UFC has, what, a couple hundred fighters? something like that. So the universe is much smaller. So these guys are going to all fight each other more. And because of that, you're going to get more losses. And I I just, I don't know how to fix that and how to make it this, the same way in boxing where fans will be more forgiving of that.
3: I got another question about um, Navarrete and also the WBO. Like I, 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 I dig that the dude just, Went through five guys in a year, or six guys. his six guys in 13 months. He fought. One was a rematch with uh, was Dog Bay, and right. then it was five dudes. He just wasted. Um, why? Is, is, how do you find out what the real story is with stuff like that, though? I mean, he's he's fighting five dudes. Uh, was there really no one ranked who would fight him? How does how does that? How do you know what's what's really going on with that? I'm curious. Like, was there just nobody willing to step up? No one ranked.
0: Or did they just not want to bother with it? It's it's a few different things. And I mean, it, it goes to the problems with boxing. But who, I would love to see Navarrete step up and fight. If he can't get one of the other title holders where they can uh, unify titles, I'd love to see him fight a, a guy who's ranked highly. But those guys want to be paid because they see the risk in Navarrete. They're going to go in there and get their you know head punched in and they're face punched in, and they want a certain amount of money, but Navarrete doesn't bring that kind of money to the table. So if you're the promoter, what do you do? Do you build this guy up and build him up to a big fight for one of your other guys, which I think is what Top Rank is going to ultimately do? Or okay. you know, do you overpay an opponent that could possibly beat your guy? I mean, there's so many questions there. But it, it does show the issue with boxing, and I guess – you know, we I rambled a bunch to get here, but the point is there are so many different avenues for a boxer to go because there's so many more fighters. You don't have to fight the top guys all the time. Um, and even when you finally do, there's so many variables that are out of your control to where even if that's what you want to do, they might not want to, or the network might not want to, the promoter might not want to. There's just so many more variables. It's it, there's so much more red tape, dude.
2: Okay,
3: okay. I got one. I got another question about Cowboy. So he's going up despite fight at one twenty six. Isn't Conlon ranked number one WBO? Would they really throw Michael Conlon in with that meat grinder?
0: Right. With Con? Shu Khan, Shukan, is that who you're talking about?
3: No, no. no. Oh no! Uh, the well Navarrete has the um, if, if, if Vaquero Navarrete cowboy goes up to 126, he oh. can claim mandatory status, right? Would they yes. really throw? I think Michael Conklin's number one, didn't he? Would they really throw him in with that meat grinder?
0: Is he really number one? Oh man! I think uh, he's
3: pretty high up
0: there. Man, I gotta uh, look so it I think up now.
3: Magdaleno up there too. I think it's Magdaleno and uh and I'm look.
0: I'm gonna look it up right now, because I'm curious. I mean, the WBO at any point can kind of change things around to top ranks' liking, but uh, let's see. I'm going to go sure. with June. They should have June ratings up there. And we're going to go with featherweight. Such. So each... What? No results found. You pricks. Okay, they didn't do ratings. Got to for... go to
2: March.
0: I got to go all the way back you to freaking March. March. Well, we are in a global pandemic, so that makes sense. Okay, let me go back to March here. Because you got me curious now, man. Um, you, yeah, dude, you're right. Okay. So th- they still have Stevenson as the champ. Obviously, that's vacant. Michael Conlon's number one. Ruben Villa, number two. And then uh, Jesse Magdaleno's number four. Miguel Mariaga, who's fighting Thursday, he's number six. That could change. He could bump up. So... This is going to get interesting because, yes, per the WBO rules, Navarrete could automatically be instated as number one, which means Conlon's going to get bumped down. Now, do they bump Conlon down to two or do they replace him with somebody else that's been a little more active? Well, I don't think
3: they bump him down. I just think they give, give him mandatory status.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I mean, technically, like, you know, uh, Navarrete would be the number one guy, and then then uh, Conlon would be the the mandatory because it's a vacant belt. If Stevenson was still there, then Navarrete would be bumped up to the mandatory. So yeah, you could see that fight. You know, honestly, man, I, I'd be like, look, if you're Michael Conlon and his people, you're as ready now as you're ever going to be. I say go for it. That that would be my attitude. You're as ready now as you're ever going to be. Get in there and see what you know what what you can do. Okay.
3: Another funny thing about uh, – uh, I was looking at – I've been watching WBO rankings lately, and um, was it uh, Danny Garcia has been WBO number one for a long time, months, months. And a while back, very quietly, without any announcement whatsoever, Mikey Garcia was moved to – I think out of nowhere to number three. So um, why, bo- if, why bother with that? Why, why bother paying those sanctioning fees and pay, buying into WBO and getting those rankings? And, of course, there's no mention of fighting Crawford. How does how does that work? Like, why bother with that?
0: Yeah, that's really bizarre. I, I don't know why you would do that. If you're – if Danny Garcia's rated too or just Mikey Garcia? Uh,
3: Danny Garcia's won, and he has been for months. I mean, that, months. That's I weird because –
0: Look, the PBC, and this is just where they're hypocritical. They're not the only ones, but they're really hypocritical with the WBO thing because they say, oh, we don't recognize the WBO. On a lot of the uh, PBC broadcasts, they don't mention Terrence Crawford or any other WBO champion. Meanwhile, they got guys paying sanctioning dues to get ranked by the WBO. And I know for a fact that when the the WBO, I think it was 154 belt, became vacant, they pushed for one of those guys to get – a fight for that vacant title. Andy Ruiz fought right, for the WBO. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's just, it's very hypocritical. But, I mean, look, if if uh, Danny Garcia fought Terrence Crawford, I'd, I'd like to see that fight. I don't think that's what's going to happen. D- Danny Garcia, I know PBC wants him to fight Errol Spence, but they might be hiding some things about Errol Spence. I don't know, dude. As far as I know, he hasn't even sparred yet this year. So
3: Well Mikey Garcia at number three, that doesn't make no sense to me neither.
0: Yeah, because he's not he's never gonna fight Terrence Crawford. Um I don't think so. No way. <laughs> he he doesn't want to deal with Grandpa Bob. I I that makes zero sense to me. I know he was hoping to get Pacquiao. Uh I don't know, maybe that could still happen later this year, I'm not sure. But that just makes zero sense to me, man. It's just one of those things, yeah. I don't know.
3: Yeah. Michael, appreciate you and congratulations on your on your move to uh, to 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 the ring with your with your talk show. It's an excellent show and I I dig it. I'm ha- happen to be working from home today, so cool.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, man.
3: Yeah, keep up the good work, buddy. All
0: right, thanks, brother. Glad you called, man. Have a good night. All right, good call, man. Some good questions there. All right, we got one more call from. Seven seven three. You're on the neutral corner. Go.
4: What's up, Mike? Um, yeah, I was listening to your talking your points regarding UFC and Masvidal, but I'm glad you brought up Cassius Clay Tyler because that dude's been one of the few bright spots this year. Putting in work, always exciting. But I think the point you're trying to make with the UFC is UFC fans they're a little bit more um. They let the people slide. They let the fighters slide. They don't write, a, write someone off if they take a loss. Yeah. And I think with Mosvall, the situation there was he was the big underdog. Back-to-back fights when he had those high reel knockouts against Darren Till and Ben Askren, he was the underdog. Darren Till was supposed to be this next big star. Ben Askren was his big hot shot, going to be the next champion, and he starched them both. So you can't really write a guy like that, oh, especially when he's, what he's done in his previous fights. So yeah, he has some losses, but it's always against the best guys in the world going back to a strike four days. Um, and I think that's the difference with UFC and boxing is they fight the best. They're they're always in there with elite competition. There's no A side, B side. I mean boxing guys you can put him in there with he can have thirty fights until he faced the real contender. I mean, look at Wilder, he was flying. how many bombs on his record until they actually fought out where the opponent. There's really mm-hmm. none of that in UFC and MMA for general. But um, it just it, it really makes me mad that they're not doing any boxing fans' favors with this product they're putting out. Because Bob Barham and UFC, you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get quality fights. You know you're going to get good entertainment. With this top-ranked stuff, it's just garbage. It's pathetic. It's <laughs> they're disrespecting the fans. Well, totally disrespectful.
0: Yeah, but let me ask you this honestly, okay? Top Rank has made it very clear in multiple interviews. They've talked about you know the fact that they've they've tried to make some bigger fights, but there's a a lot of fighters right now are saying, dude, I'm not ready. I can't be ready in four weeks. I need. I mean, just look at what Billy Joe Saunders pulled against Canelo. Like he had two months, two months to prepare, and he said that's not enough time. I think a lot of guys have been turning down. Top rank offers, and there's only a handful of dudes out there who are like, "Yeah, shit, I'll go on ten days' notice. I'll go. I'll fight for fifty G's. I'll fight for twenty G's. Some of these guys have fought for like five grand, ten grand, Um, you know, which is UFC wages, basically, right? A lot of times, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm just saying that a lot of boxers are used to making a lot more than that. These guys are taking short money to get up there and fight. Would you rather there be zero boxing right now, and top rank? wait until they can get the really, really big fights together? Or would you? are, are you cool with having some boxing right now, knowing that these are club-level shows? They're not supposed to be big fights.
4: You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see some of these Oxnard guys, some of these Eastern Europeans, Uzbekistanis, Kazakhstan, Kazakhs. Where are these guys at? I haven't seen any of them on the shows, and I'd love to see some of them. Be there's been there's been several.
0: You said Oxnard guys. There's been several Southern California guys on there. Guys that train in Southern California, man. There's been but with the Eastern European guys. I mean, if you're over, if you're over in Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan or wherever it is right now, like dude, it, it's hard to get over to the United States. You know, there's travel bans in certain parts of the world. Uh, the COVID thing has made it a lot harder. And for, for the guys that are based in the United States, though. They do have opportunities. It's just, man, if if you have a, if you offer a fighter a spot and they say, ah, oh, I, I can't fight, I, I need ten weeks. What do you do? Do you not have a show, or do you put on a show with the guys that are willing to come on? That's the question.
4: Yeah, I see. I get your point. Um, for me, I said this to someone else. I said, don't even have the shows. Let's wait till we get some quality, quality product. Just don't put some just haphazard or whoever. Let's just throw it together, put it out there. Now, let's wait, put the quality out there. Make it worth your while. So, when someone's tuning in, they know they're going to be getting their money's worth. Even if it's free, they know they're going to be invested in the next show. Because right now, people aren't going to want to tune into the next fight. They see this, oh man, I'm not going to waste my variety or Saturday next, next time if I know it, this is what I'm going to be watching. So, I say, don't put on shows if it's going to cost you in the long run. But I'll leave let you me do it. Thanks for taking my golf. Well, let me ask you one Go question
0: ahead. before you jump off. Let me ask you. Number one, I didn't get your name, bro. What's your name? Kevin. Kevin. Okay. Uh, did you buy the UFC pay per view this weekend, or did you stream it? I bought it. You You bought it. You're being honest. You paid the money. You bought it. Yep,
4: sure
0: did. So you put I, your money I where I really your mouth don't. is. I really
4: okay.
0: do. Okay. But I mean, look, man, time, that's fair. That's fight. that's your opinion, and that's fair. I got to say, like, there's two schools of thought on this, okay? It's I would rather wait and have no fights until we get this big major pay-per-view, and then I'll pay for it. Or, I mean, I'll take what I can get right now, knowing that the big fights are coming down the line. So it's two schools of thought. But your opinion is you'd rather wait for the big pay-per-view shows. And I get it, dude. That's a fair opinion. I For me, I'm – I've enjoyed some of these fights on the top-ranked shows. These aren't names that you know. But, dude, I'm just thinking with UFC, they had a series on Spike all those years. I don't know if they still do it. Where, I mean, those guys aren't all champions. You know, some of the shows, that the regular shows they've had on, I don't know if it was Fox or whatever it was, there were gatekeeper, journeyman-level fighters on a lot of those shows. It was Stay busy fights. It was you know, building up your prospects, right? I mean, don't they have that process over there too? Not every card can be this great amazing card with nothing but champions.
4: Yeah, there's definitely cards like that where it's it's um I don't know, prospects, yeah, there's, there's prospects. I don't know, I feel like in boxing though there's there's really not too so many prospects that you feel like they're taking a leap in the UFC. It's a fight. They're in in one of the top main cards. These guys are going to be, within the next year or two, you can see them fighting for number one contender positions. But it seems like in Boston, these dudes keep fighting. Like, you don't know, maybe they'll fight for a number one contender. It's just maybe they'll fill in. Maybe they'll go to another promotion. You don't know what they're going to play out. But usually with the UFC, it's like if they get those main card positions, and the guy who wins you can almost guarantee that they're going to be set up for a big fight in the future. I feel like that's a big problem with boxing. There's really no consistency there. You don't know what their the future holds, but I think that's a big part too. What do you think of that?
0: I think that's a fair point, man. I think um, it's, it's a complex thing. It's not black and white. Let me ask you this. Did you pay for the Wilder Fury rematch pay-per-view? that we had in, what was it, February, January, February? Did you pay for that one?
4: Um, I went to a friend's house, and he paid for it.
0: Okay. okay. a
4: friend's house
0: to watch that. Okay. So you went to a fight oh. party, basically. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, dude. I mean, again, I think that some people will agree with you, some people won't. I know personally for me, uh, I, I understand matchmaking a little bit better than the average guy, and I, I know – some of the first top-ranked shows were just terrible mismatches, but they were literally getting who they could get in there. And they start, they've kind of figured it out along the way, and they've had some really good 50-50 matchups. One of their prospects got beat, right? They've had guys uh, that were supposed to win end up losing close fights. That's happened multiple times in this series, and that's happened because they've had good matchmaking. So I think it's unfair to just beat up on them and say it's complete shit, but I hear what you're saying, and you make a fair point. You do make a fair point.
4: I haven't watched every card from top to bottom. I just just a few I have seen, and like this, this past main event, that was what I um I, I went back and watched that fight. And I wasn't too impressed with it. Was it Jerry Forrest versus Carlos Coughlin? Yeah, that fight was just it wasn't too. It just didn't get me up. I wasn't up for it, but I'm. You said there were some um, prospects, though. Maybe i go back and watch some of these fights. I know, um, like, for example, well, there's, the, there's a heavyweight. Clay,
0: Collard, he, Clay Collard's fighting tomorrow. And then Thursday, there's a American heavyweight prospect, uh, Jared Anderson, who might have something there. I'm not 100% sold, but might have something there. I think he's like 4-0, big guy, uh, punches and bunches, exciting heavyweight prospect. He'll be on that show. So there's been a few guys like that. Um, I think it would be worth it to tune in for him. And then, um, but yeah, I do. I mean, if if I read you these names, I understand why you're not getting excited. Like Thursday, Miguel Mariaga going up against uh, Filipino fighter, Mark Jan Yap, who's lost three of his last four. That's on paper. That's a mismatch. Uh, Felix Berdejo, the port used to be a top Puerto Rican prospect going up against uh Will Madera, who is a, a, a undefeated fighter out of upstate New York. But, he hasn't fought anybody. Most of his fights have been in Canada against lackluster opposition. So I get it, dude. These aren't great, incredible matchups. Like, I totally understand. But there's been a few gems in there, I'm telling you. But it is too far a yeah. uh, few in between. It is.
4: That's the way I'm looking at it, too. You got, you, the gems that do come out of it, that's will surprise you. So that's one way to look forward to it, to tune in. But anyways, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I'll call in next week.
0: All right, brother. Good call, man. All right, take it easy. All right. All right, guys. I know a lot of you out there are gonna hate on Kevin's points and Kevin's point of view, but he that is a point of view that a lot of fans out there share. So I think that um it, it's fair to to let somebody express their viewpoint that you may disagree with because he is a consumer he has spent money on the pay-per-views or at least he goes to fight parties that support the pay-per-views. That's, that's always my whole thing. If you're somebody that bitches about matchups or bitches about the sport, whatever, and you don't support the sport financially when they do get it right, then I think you're being a hypocrite. I'm not saying Kevin was doing that. I'm just saying in general, I've also seen a lot of boxing media recently uh, guys that, the, the types of guys that you guys know some of the names that really really try to be um, i don't know they, they basically play the game they kind of play the game like a hollywood actor tries to schmooze their way in to get uh, parts to get parts for whatever tv show or whatever you know they kiss the casting director's ass they kiss the editor's ass they date the right person they do the right drugs they go to the right parties the right political rallies There's people like that in the boxing media and there's people that I've seen consistently recently just bashing the shit out of boxing and praising UFC nonstop. Like they get nothing wrong over there and like boxing isn't trying hard. If you're a member of the boxing media that's getting paid to cover this sport, I think that it is perfectly fine. And, and, and a good thing to criticize and to talk about what we do wrong. You guys listen to my show. You know, I do that all the time. I keep it real. I talk about the issues with certain promoters and networks and fighters. I talk about it. I see some of you guys are naming the names in the chat. You've hit a couple of them. I'm not going to repeat them here. You guys are saying it, not me. Okay. But yes, you guys are naming some of the names, but when you see that, it's like, dude, go cover MMA. If, if you, it just comes off like some people in the boxing media hate boxing. If you do go over there, if you're look, if you're frustrated, I'm frustrated all the time. I'm up. You got how many times have you guys heard me rant about shit, right? i become infamous for that. I rant about things. I get, my face gets red and I lose my freaking voice ranting. So I get upset. I get frustrated But I don't just talk about the negative without providing some sort of possible solution, without making suggestions for how we can do better, without trying to ask tough questions that make us think a little bit. Even if we get it wrong sometimes, you know what I mean? I've made an ass of myself a million times, and I'll do it a million more times asking questions. Uh, It just, I, I think it's fair to criticize if, you also note the positive and note the differences because you can't run boxing the way you run UFC. It's, too, it's so different in so many different ways. And for people in the boxing media to try to compare apples to apples and make it sound like, oh, we could just do what they do over there. No, it's not set up the same way. You can't do that. It's so different. And I try to explain those differences here it's, I know sometimes it's getting a little stuck in the weeds and everything. And maybe it's a little boring. I'm sorry, guys. But I try to just give some of these points of view. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. All right. I think we're going to cut the show here because we got, got no more calls on the line. Oh, uh, Turn that down. Got the outro music going. Super Chat Pledge from Soap Boxing Podcast. He says, congrats on the ring thing, bro. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. This is the last one here on the MOB YouTube channel. And uh, we are off to Ring Digital. So make sure you subscribe there, guys. Next Monday, we will have Charles Conwell on the show. All right. So if you got any questions for him, drop it here in the chat or in a pinned comment. DM me, tweet me, whatever. And we'll get some questions into him. That should be a really interesting interview. Talk about asking some tough questions. I got some tough questions to uh, to ask him. Tough subject matter to talk about. But, look, guys, I can't thank you enough for all the support. This is awesome. And we're just moving on to bigger and better things. I'm excited for where we're going to go with the show, man. So follow me over to Ring Digital next week, all right? All right, guys, I'll see you at the fights.